ladies and gents. What's good, people? It's Reg. It's Stone. And we are here right now on the road. We've decided to, you know, strengthen our brand, branch out to new things. So right now we're at um, CPAC, the Conser- Conservative Con- Conference, you know what I'm saying? We're doing little <laughs> DJ sets. We're playing a lot of, you know, conservative-friendly hip-hop, you know what I'm saying? We got some of that, you know, Kid Rock coming up, you know what I'm saying? We got some, you know, deeper cuts, you know what I'm saying? Not necessarily conservative hip-hop, but, you know, the things that get your, you know, 45-year-old sucker moms wild. We got a little bit of Nelly coming up, you know what I'm saying? Perhaps some vintage Usher, you know what I'm saying? You know, perhaps some little little John, you know what I'm saying? You know how we get a little crunk. You know, we're out here, you know what I'm saying, trying to spread the bread awareness because, you know, obviously in the capitalistic hell state, it's all about making that Skrilla. You know, the sad thing is, it's the only place on earth where all Kanye party would go off. <laughs> if you want to do an all Kanye DJ set, <laughs> you, you go to CPAC. But the, see, but I, there's enough wokeism, and I hate that term. I fucking hate I even said that term. But there's enough, like... <laughs> Conscious shit in fucking Kanye stuff, or well, you probably could play a, a very much a sneak diss set though. Definitely oh, early Kanye. I, I would love, yeah. I would love to do it. I would love to, to you know, play all woke Kanye, and everybody's like, "Oh, it's Kanye." You know, he's he's on our side now. You know, <laughs> he's a Nazi, and he's a uh, Nazi. You know, and, and you know, deep in my heart, I I I, I feel joy. I I could see something like, like that happening. You know, and I get paid. <laughs> Most importantly, that that GOP money goes far. You know, you know what I'm saying like, far like, rewarding the world, but far. Like, and, you know, I just have to be in like all of the you know because they're gonna be like a black guy is is our place. Like we're not racist, so I'll be in all oh, of like bruh. the, the social media. You know, you know how much so many photo, so many so many for, like people coming up for pictures. You know, probably get you. Come on, boy, come over here. You know what I'm saying? They have to hit him in the face. <laughs> but he didn't really mean it. He meant boy in a good way. You can't tell though. <laughs> uh, but uh, after a long hiatus, we're back. Reggie we're back. Stone on the scene, and uh, I guess I'll start it off with a celebratory, but also sad note. Um, this week, this Friday specifically, March 3rd, was De La Soul Day. After, whew, decades decades of basically being locked out of streaming locked out of print locked out of sales the de la soul catalog is back it's on itunes they're selling wax it's on spotify you know they've got merch out there i mean it's a joyous day i saw people tweeting about how it was like on itunes there's some of the biggest selling records over the weekend it's a relatively good time Obviously, as we all know, it's very bittersweet. <clears throat> we probably should have known something was up during the Grammys when Poss was the only one representing De La Soul. Apparently, at that time, ACO was just regular sick. But as we all know, True Gore was kind of dealing with some serious issues and unfortunately passed. Um, even before that happened, I started doing press about, you know, the record's going to come out. We're going to be doing touring. We're going to be doing all this cool shit. Um... I could say that it was cool seeing them, you know, seeing their faces in Times Square. It was cool seeing all the advertisements. I got an email from Spotify, so, you know, it was that serious. You know, I, I, it was cool kind of seeing them get their flowers in a way which I can easily say, as somebody who's listened to De La Soul all, all their lives, I've never seen that kind of rollout. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The most I remember was a, a grinded, fo- like, like, poster somewhere in some bar somewhere. 
So it was cool kind of seeing him kind of get the rollout that like, you know, a mega big rock or hip hop act would kind of get. So, you know, fantastic. Um, like I said, it kind of sucks the timing of it. It would have been nice to see Dove kind of see him get his flowers. But overall, it's kind of been cool to kind of see people kind of rediscover these these outright hip hop classics. Yeah, I, it's definitely bittersweet. Um, you know, obviously the death of True the Dove, like right before you know the entire deal catalog goes to streaming, it's really sad. But also too the fact that it took this long for the Daylight catalog to go to streaming. You know, that's also like a, a really sad kind of I, I guess a part of this story, right? I've been listening to Daylight like kind of nonstop since um, was it Thursday or Friday of this week, and just like realizing that oh man, like they're like the Grind Day is my favorite Daylight album. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I didn't pay for it. But, you know, <laughs> um, you know, it's just like kind of revisiting those things and revisiting like revisiting De La Soul is Dead. And like, you know, I still have to, to hit Bionics because people were like, you know, you know, like that was kind of like the album that De La got like a unfair shake on. Right. So it's like now you can go back and revisit it and kind of like, you know, especially with modern ears and listen to it and, and kind of like appreciate a lot more. Um, so, you know, we're, we're in a great and glorious time. It's just like the fact that Daylight had to fight so hard to get to this point, you know, to get their, their, their catalog released to streaming, to get a fair deal. We, I don't even know if they got a fair deal. Hopefully they did. But, you know, it, it, it's just like a lot of things that kind of happened. Um, and now it's, it's definitely a celebration, but it's also something where um, I hope this doesn't happen again. Um, I hope that, you know, there's, you know, probably a lot of hip hop classics that are still kind of not being released and not are still in vault somewhere and still in basement somewhere. Um, hopefully this can set a precedent for, you know, uh, different artists to go back and kind of re- re- renegotiate their deals. Um, but, you know, having that said, you know, when you talked about the Webster Hall show uh, and how kind of crazy it was. But it's De La Soul who I, you know, is a, a group that I think has always been on the margins of hip hop, you know, um, getting their flowers. And, you know, we're 50 years of hip hop and they're getting appreciated and they're getting like, you know, a lot of love and they're getting Times Square billboards and things like that. So on the flip, it is really good to see. I had so much fun, like re like engaging with their their entire catalog and kind of having discussions online with like different people. And, you know, there's people who've like, surprisingly people, I would say like, like not my age, but like a little bit younger who've never heard daylight at all. And like, I'm trying to tell them like how to, to, to get into daylight, like what, what album to start with. So, um, you know, it's bittersweet, but all in all, it's, it's just like a great time to be a hip hop fan and it's, it's such a great group to get their flowers. Yeah, no, and 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 the thing about De La is the fact that they're very influential, like today. Like yeah. if you think about it, you kill De La Soul off the timeline, you kill Tribe Called Quest, you kill fucking Dilla, you kill fucking Lo-Fi Hip Hop, 
he killed this the raucous era like like they were very seminal and i think what's kind of cool about De La is the fact of not only were there they were a really important group coming out but they were way ahead of their time yeah like the idea of the the, the way they were sampling and doing things like the and i hate this like not, not to make it like you know direct but like a De La Soul versus a pink sifu it's like a direct line. You know what I'm saying? There's no, oh, yeah. there's nothing really that's crazy there. It's just like, yeah, the, he could have came out right after him or vice versa. That's kind of been fascinating where the sound is timeless. And, and that's what's kind of cool to kind of see him get their flowers to kind of see people kind of go there where even listen to their records, it's it's very timeless. Like like a lot of the jokes, I was, I was, I was waiting for something problematic. I was waiting for something like, you know, like a word like fucking Reagan era reference or something like that. Like a lot of the topics that were, and even in the fun party songs, like it was, it was viable. Then you had some issues about social political stuff, about, you know, sexual abuse between like, you know, within the family, you know, drug abuse, like everything there works. And that's what's kind of fascinating about the records that it kind of built up where it's timeless. Going back to the idea of why it wasn't released. I remember I was reading an article about basically the sample lawyer who was kind of heavily involved in kind of clearing all the samples and she made it a point saying how some of the artists had approached like, hey, this is not going to get you like fucking, you know, Rolling Stones money. It's like at the end of the day, I think that going back to the idea of a lot of hip hop classics, you have to understand that these things are important pieces of art and I understand the commerce behind it and I understand, you know, Universal, Sony, WB might be like, I don't give a fuck, run me that fucking check. But I would hope that because at least with the original lawsuit with the Turtles, if you're an artist, you may not necessarily 100% understand what, what was happening with hip hop at that time. But by now you have to kind of understand of how important it is for like arts in general, not just the culture and the hip hop sense, but in music making is the idea of where, you know, that little piece of sample that you got, you know, had a hit song of, you know, in XYZ in 1973 is still lives on like like there's a whole new culture that's built around that sample something to be celebrated and i'm hoping that like you know again america capitalism yada 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 but i'm hoping that this kind of opens up a lane for a lot of other records that have been lost that are kind of lying out there in the ether to kind of come back because i think it's important i remember years ago um way back on the okay player boards quest love kind of pointed out where you know now streamings are popping you know it was the beginning of fucking itunes it's the beginning of fucking spotify it was and you know youtube music was popping it was basically saying how hey you know one thing here is gonna be interesting is to see how prince who at that time was like nah none of, to none of that shit he's like it's gonna be interesting to see if a generation kind of loses his his you know forgets how important he was to the culture because he's not on streaming it's something where it's an abstract yeah like he played the Super Bowl he does this I hear Prince song here and there in the movie but I don't really understand Prince like I'm not listening to this, like deep cuts from the fucking 1979 type shit and I think that it's important when he pointed out I was like yeah that sucks because people you know getting rid out of the culture is important particularly since it feeds like the idea of where you know everything in the arts is built on somebody else there's no nobody's out here you know nobody's making up new paint colors nobody's up making up new instruments per se nobody's out here doing these crazy like space alien drum beats without somebody else having paved the way and i think it's important that these hip-hop classes kind of get heard because ultimately for the culture to move forward it has to know what's past yeah for sure for sure um so yeah no i i i will say that it, it's been a joy going back to this to the uh, discography, I, I will say, Reg, what is your favorite Daylight album? Oh, The Last Soul is Dead. Mm, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. That That's probably, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. 
Because uh, I can write a whole. Because it's it's fascinating because it's hilarious to hear an act shit on their own career <laughs> for an hour <laughs> plus, <laughs> but while still like upping their game while shitting on their career. Like it's 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 very funny when you think about it deeply. Yeah, for sure. I I, I would probably say grind date for me, but that's only just because it's De La Soul basically reinventing themselves in like kind of like the the, the boom bap hip hop Dilla era. And yeah. it's, it's been it's an album that I continuously go back to and it's probably like one of my favorites just cuz it's like it doesn't sound like people say like it's well it's not really a true De La Soul album because that's like you know De La Soul is dead and you know things like that. But I was like I understand that, but it's also like De La at that at their fullest form. Um, yeah, you know so but De La Soul is, is dead is probably my number two. Uh, either that or, or Stakes is high. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, no, it's 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 just great to to listen to all of these <laughs> you know again it's like it, it's it's i i feel like i feel like i'm a little boy not really a little boy like in my, in my teens going to the record shop again you know like like going going to the the tower records yeah i yeah no i, I feel you going to the coconuts yeah. you know like, going back to the go going to the deep drive, giving it, giving it a listen, listen flipping through the crates, you know what I'm saying? Go to Sam Ash, Sam Goody, yeah, my bad, Sam yeah, Goody, yeah, Sam Goody, like, 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 you know, it's, it's like that same energy for me, so I, I can't be mad, yeah, no, no, it's like I said, it's it's something where it's, it's again, I'm, it's not ideal, but it was cool to kind of see hip hop kind of turn out for him, so you know, again, it's 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 a great for the culture, great for the 50 hip hop's 50th fucking anniversary. And like, you know, hopefully there's more shit like this happening. So, you know, awesome time. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Um, what else is on the docket? Ah, my favorites. The weekends. <laughs> All right. So I remember hearing about this and, uh, so long story short, there's an HBO show coming out called the idol. Um, it's going to start a weekend. The weekend is going to play basically the CD LA club owner slash restaurateur slash slash fucking quote unquote cult leader where basically you could see it's going to be like it's it's going to be basically the, the CD tales of LA, which again, I'm a sucker for that shit. I'm a sucker for all the CD tales of big cities. Um, it's something that's been popping for a minute. Uh I know they were filming it. It's got um, Lily Depp, which is basically Johnny Depp's daughter. He had a couple of it girls. There's been some clips that have been shown in their previews for the past couple of years where, you know, when the HBO does the whole stinger where it's like, here are our shows. And they give you like two seconds. Yeah. So all you see is pretty people around the pool looking shady. And um, there was a long form Rolling Stone article, which kind of went in on basically how the production sucked and a couple of allegations. Basically, it started off where they hired a female director and she filmed 80% of it. And at least in the beginning, they're very happy for the first couple of episodes. But then towards the middle end, the weekend was like, well, it's not enough weekend. And since he was kind of working on it also with the person, Sam, Sam Levinson, who also does Euphoria, that guy came in there and said, it's not, not, not enough not enough sex, not, not enough ab abusive and terrifying sex. And it kind of revamped the show. So basically, there's a whole article basically going in on how toxic the whole thing was and all the egos and basically this and that. And I thought it was fascinating as a weekend fan, only because, like, in my mind, I'm going to ask you this question, Stone. So, <laughs> in my mind, 
what I liked about early weekend was with trilogy. I thought it was unique and this is what I mean. So now people being sad and in their feelings about the girl breaking up with them. We've been, we've been in this malaise for like, like over 10 years now. That's future. That's fucking scissor. That's a whole bunch of acts, right? I, at that time though, it was very weird for club music and R and B because very upbeat, you know, R Kelly was hip hopping. Usher was still here popping, you know, saying the dream was popping. It was very much like, hey, we're in the club. Things are going great. Yeah. I have Molly in my butts. We're about to break out the Cristal. We're going to hop into the Maybach, to the after, to the after, to the after party. Everything is fantastic. And then the weekend shows up like, yo, shit is fucked up. Niggas is skeevy out here. We're running trains. There's light sexual assault. People are simply thinking about people's drinks. We're going broke. The shady women, the shady dudes. And I kind of like the idea of where, at least from my perspective, it was pointing out how not necessarily in praise of that world, but kind of showing you that shit really isn't sweet. Yeah. And it was kind of weird reaching, reading this fucking narrative because I was like, oh shit, he kind of believes, or at least it looks like the article <laughs> that he actually is this dude and this is actually good behavior. <laughs> Bro, I, I, I thought the same thing. You know, I, I I was like, oh, this this dude is actually about this life or wants to be about this life, right? <laughs> because like you know, it's not like I, it's not like a push your tea thing where push your tea is like, oh, I, I rap about you know cocaine, <laughs> but I'm not like <laughs> smuggling drugs from Colombia. I'm sitting in boardrooms at Arby's, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Whereas it seems like the weekend is yeah, like it, it's either like. This is the life that like like he continues to live, you know, like being a fuck boy. And the weekend to me has always been like, oh man, I have all these girls and all this cocaine, but I'm still sad. You know, <laughs> it's not like a, I don't know, it's, it's a very weird take on on like excess, which I you know I really appreciated. But you know, I I, I think that yeah, it, it's kind of weird to kind of see this, and that she kind of sad too because I've lost a little respect for the weekend. Like reading this article, it, it really seems that you know, like they had this really cool concept for the show, and the weekend was basically kind of like you know, the, the basically it's like this female character comes from like the Midwest or something, comes to L.A. Weekend's a cult leader, whatever underground guy. The female is just kind of like you know, caught up in this whole thing and it becomes a whole, like, you know, dramatic show. And I guess, like, the female director was kind of, like, I guess, angling the show around the female, you know, like, you know, like, from her perspective. And The Weeknd and Sam Levinson were like, oh, like, no, it's gotta be from, like, The Weeknd's perspective, you know, like, (laughs) you know, it, 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 it was said that the weekend said this was like too too female focused, right? So I don't know. It's like one of those things where, but again, it's like a weird thing. Where I was just kind of like, this is not surprising. Like looking at the weekend's discography, <laughs> uh, I, I hate it. I could not be surprised that like uh, it's 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 taking this direct direction, and he said the thing that he said. <laughs> uh. Because I, I, the thing is, I, I want to separate the art from the artist. And a lot of artists are very much like, like, I am not that dude. Like, I may sing about that dude. I may personify that dude, but I am not that dude. And what kind of sucks, like you said, it's, it's kind of disappointing where, you know, he, he's... 
I may not be a fan of all the movies he's made, but I respect what he's done. He's somebody where he was doing, you know, set this t- this sound, this this very slurry, atmospheric, dark, abusive R&B sound. You know, the first one on that wave. Everybody's been doing it since, you know what I'm saying? Partying next door to like fucking, you know, even Lana Del Rey has a word fucking her new single. It, it starts off with this folk fucking part where it's in this you know, good Lana Del Rey song, but it goes into this really dark fucking almost glass table girls weekend part. Yeah. You know, like it's so you see like how how much of it he's been he's been an influence. And he's in pivot. Whereas like, hey, you know, I don't want to be known as this dark club dude because A, it's not cool and B, everybody's doing it. So he's made his pivot into this like very high gloss eighties pop star. You know, if you've got fucking Bruno Mars doing it for the club and high end, you've got the weekends doing it a little bit more darker, a little more razor, a little more depeche mode, let's just say. Um, so again, I'm, I respect the moves he's made, but the thing is, when I see those moves, I'm, I'm thinking artists. I'm thinking somebody who's doing something. He's interpreting. He's got a goal. He's got a plan. It's not about him. Like, all right, where's the next line of coke? And the fucking nineteen year old passed to me on my left hand side. And that's what kind of sucks is the idea of where, you know, I was into this because I was like, oh, shit, it's going to be like live action, you know, six hours of this crazy weekend circular House of Balloons era nonsense. And as somebody who like, again, I, I, I could see the art in a lot of these things. Like, I love Spring Breakers. You know, I know Larry Clark now. We've kind of looked back on it. He's been a little bit abusive, but you could kind of see what he was trying to do with kids at times where it's like, hey. I'm showing you the sheetiness not because it's good, but this is the way the world is. Like, yeah. I can kind of make it look clean and kind of make it look nice. But no, people are kind of overdosing. People are kind of like, you know, like going broke, like wasting all the credit cards. People are like blatantly cheating on their spouses and they're terrible to their spouse and to the people they're cheating with. Like it's something where it's very unique world. It's very real life. And it kind of sucks is the idea of where, you know, if you kind of want to branch out of these things, you, and you've been smart enough too, because again, somebody who's doing mixtapes, who's playing arenas, you kind of have to respect the people around you also because it's a collaborative process and you're creative. Like you can't come out there shitting on people's work and doing X, Y, Z, because the same way you want your process respected is the way you want other people want, you know, you can have them respect your process when you were younger and complain about how you were doing this and doing that. And then when you get a little bit of glow up, do the same to other people. Yeah, no, I mean it's 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 it, it, like I said, it's it's really sad, you know, but not surprising. And I I don't know, I I don't know if I'm excited about the show anymore. Just kind of yeah, same. Like, you know, and, and and look, I've watched Euphoria. First season was pretty good. I kind of noped out of the second season because I was just like it 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 was it, it didn't feel like it was going anywhere. Um, and they talk about that I think in the Rolling Stone Stone article where it's just like. The second season, they push for like more sex, more drugs, whatever. Where I thought like the the heart of Euphoria was actually, um, you know, Homegirl's character, um, Zendaya's character. I thought that was a great show, um, but it's just more of like sex, drugs, rock and roll, like whatever. Um, and I guess like I don't know, like there's just like something where I'm just maybe it's because I'm married and I'm older and I'm just like I don't need to see boobies on my TV all the time. <laughs> you know? I see boobies for free every night. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, you know. So it's just kind of like I don't know. It's just like it's for me. It's just like I, I it I it seems like there's a there was a great idea of a show that's that's basically going to basically be euphoria 2 you know with the weekend soundtrack 
you know, and I'm just kind of like, eh, I, don't, I don't know how exciting that is. Um, you know, like it seems like they're pushing for more nudity and like they're pushing maybe for some of the female actresses to like reveal more. So like that that sounds like really shady to me. So yeah, it just doesn't it's it doesn't sit well. Doesn't sit sit well, Mister Weekend. Yeah, no, agreed. And 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 going back to your point, it's like I've seen. You're not gonna shock me. Like like we're we're men of a certain age who see enough things. So it's like, you know, throwing, you know, the titties of a 20 year old on TV screen is not art at this point. You know, you, you got to give me something else. And it's the idea of where, you know, we're post Internet era. You know, what I'm saying we're, we're post two girls, one cup. There's nothing here you can put out there that's going to be like, oh, my God, this is this is scandalous. This is new. And, and I think the idea of where and even when he was like, oh, it's too male gazy. Maybe that's the point. Maybe I mean two female gazes. It's like I'd, I'd rather see it. I I would rather see something like Euphoria done through a female gaze than a male gaze. Like to a certain point, it's not even the fact of where you know. It's not even the fact of where it's. It's you want it to be Puritan. It's not even the fact of that you want it to be PC. It's the fact of at the end of the day, it's hack. You know, it's like the way the comedian says. Like I can go out there and tell a you know curse on stage and do X Y Z. And you, the crowd will laugh, but is there any any artistry there? And there's the idea of where I am not opposed to seeing some really dark, fucked up things on screen. I've seen some really dark movies that are fucked up. But honestly, when I look away, if I remember that movie, it's probably not because of the fucked upness. It's because of what you know what led, led up to it. What, what was it trying to tell me? What was what was going to do? We've all seen Slasher Fix. You know, what I'm saying somebody walking up and chopping somebody's head off is not really surprising. It, but in the context of it and what it's doing is where you get your art. And I think that's the issue here, at least with the show, the way to describe it is the idea of where if it's going to just throw titties and ass on the screen, I could just go, you porn's right there, baby. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, you know, and I'll say this. I know we got to move on. I, I feel like HBO sometimes is chasing like that, like that, you know, period where like they were the only game in town. <laughs> it was like a Playboy magazine or HBO. So HBO was like so risque and like groundbreaking because they were showing like titties and ass on TV and like you know all the shit they were doing on Oz, <laughs> you know, back in the in the nineties. But now yeah. it's it's you know it's like uh, you're right. It's like there there's so many places to see that. You know, like we don't just want to see that anymore. We actually want to see a story and. You know, it seems like they're cheapening the story um, I, to make it basically a weekend video. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, what else? Oh, this is this is a quickie. Dreamsville Festival, Drake, J. Cole, The Light Brights Unite, The Maligned <laughs> Heads of Hip Hop. You know, we love a Kendrick. Love a motherfucking Kendrick. But the J. Coles, the Drakes, you know, problematic at times. Love-hate relationship, it feels like often. You know what I'm saying? These these hip-hop gods. And they're uniting to give us, you know, I'm assuming it's, it's, a, it's, a, North, it's a North Carolina, right? Yeah. Dreamsville, I yeah. think. Yeah. You know, um, definitely one of the biggest festivals. I mean, honestly, we've kind of discussed the, the last last couple of podcasts, actually, about the festivals, about how they've kind of been... Very milk toast, very much the same band, very much kind of copied and pasted. Um, I can tell you this much: if you really think about it, this is fucking. This is like your Jay and Nas, your Jay and Nas festival. This is like something very unique and something that's definitely worth it. You've got Brenda Boy there, you've got Sean Paul, you've got City Girls, 
you know, I'd make it a weird argument that, you know, they've kind of, I won't say they've out rolling louded, rolling loud, but it's definitely the, the, the big N word fest. I think that anybody would care about. And it's kind of, it's going to be kind of cool. And it's, I think it's kind of fascinating too, because you've got these two stars who are kind of in a weird, weird mode of their lives. You've got Drake, who's obviously at the sort of tippy top, but obviously his music really isn't as hitting. And you've got J. Cole where, you know, for all his underground everyman type raps, he's like obviously a rap god. So where do you go from here? And, and it feels like you've got these two artists who are in the word flux of where who knows which direction they're going to go to. Dude, I I care little about J. Cole and Drake. I, I would see Usher. <laughs> I rest my case. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like, I'm like, womp, womp. I'm like, like uh, I mean, that's great. But like Usher, Usher, Usher Usher's headlining on like the, the second night. Which Usher and Ari Lennox, night, actually. Night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm there for Usher, Ari Lennox, and Sean Paul. Honestly, I, before I, I, I'm actually, I'm, I'm happy for Usher. Like, I'm happy, you know, because he did like the Tiny Desk concert, and like, you know, he got a lot of eyes on that. Like, you know, the dude's been out here since he was like 15 years old. Yeah. Like, like it has to be 30 years. He's been out here for like 30 years, nothing but hits. Like, I can't be mad. Like, like I, I, I want, I want Usher to win. Like I, yeah. So <laughs> it's like, I, I, I didn't even know that J. Cole and Drake were like on the, on the, on the fucking like lineup. I just like saw Usher. I'm like, oh shit. Like, <laughs> womp, womp, womp. <laughs> I, I know they're supposed to have supposedly they have, they've had an album. Haven't they have an album done or done-ish for like years now? For Usher? No, um, J. Cole and Drake. Uh, I feel like I mean them J. Cole and yeah, J. Cole and Drake. What am I saying? Yeah, I feel like they've they've rumored this album for a very long time. I, I can see that. I mean, I I I'm, I I'm not surprised. Like I'm not surprised. And, and you know, Drake and Twenty One Savage have an album, so I I I, I could definitely see that. I actually, I mean, the sad thing is like Drake has fallen off so much that I, I'm not excited about Drake projects. But I, I could see a Drake and J. Cole album actually being kind of dope. Like. J. Cole's yeah. not my favorite MC, not my favorite producer, but I could see them being in the studio and vibing off each other to a point where like there could be some interesting end product. Um, but also like I, f- I mean, like look, I, I'm not mad like J. Cole. I think he's just a bit of a snoozer for me. But you know, I I don't know. I I, I could I could see it popping off and given the right conditions. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, and also too, like I'm actually happy that Dreamville Festival exists, another black-owned festival, which is really important. You know, bow, 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 bow. so yep. But uh, but yeah, like I I see Usher, I'm like, how can I get down to North Carolina in April? <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, uh, new music. I'm gonna start it off. Um, model, actress, actress, actress. Um, long story short, one of the music writers I kind of was following kind of shouted them out. Um, they're definitely Brooklyn. I believe they started up in Boston. Um, only way I could describe it to you, which I found fascinating, and the reason why I'm mentioning it in the podcast, is definitely Arts Williamsburg. Mm. Definitely Arts Williamsburg from Kent. Kent. If you know Kent Avenue, get 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 on our levels. <laughs> you guys weren't out there, you know what I'm saying, getting free Coke 45. You guys weren't out there drinking Sparks. You know, shitty, terrible ass, highly caffeinated, 
orange drink called Sparks. <laughs> you guys weren't out there whooping around your scions, you know what I'm saying, with scion keychains. You don't know about that life. We know about that life. But uh, it's just interesting, only because the more I think about it, and I think it's more because I, I saw the documentary Meet Me in the Bathroom, but also the book itself. What's been fascinating about that whole Williamsburg scene is the fact of where you saw a lot of bands take that sound to the bank, shouts to the killers. But as far as bands kind of working that sound out to the mainstream, it was it was a rarity. You know, at the end of the day, whatever they were doing, indie rock, folk, you know, electronic music, punk, maybe even a little bit of metal, it was always very art school. And by the very nature of it, it's not going to really bubble up per se. But it's been a while. It's been going on 20 years now. So I knew it was going to be a point of where there was going to be a resurrection. So Model Actress is a long, young, relatively young band. Um, I, I, people describe them as industrial. I think it's a little bit unfair. Mm. If anything, they're definitely more dance punk. If, if I could, I think they described it in the notes. Like the beats are definitely disco via like LCD sound system, a little more like hard hitting, maybe a little bit more like almost like post punk motoric, but definitely danceable. Um, the lead singer is very emotive, very singing, a lot more because he's somebody where, who, at least according from what I've read, queer dude was didn't lose his virginity until later in life you know 19 after he was in the band basically he's kind of discovering himself so there's a lot of weird psychosexual but also very violent lyrics where it could be about fucking could be about murdering the person you're fucking um that said very sexy kind of reminds me not necessarily definitely not necessarily in terms of tone and style the kind of the weird way Deftones kind of has kind of rolled around where it's very aggressive, but also very feminine, if that makes any good sense. Mm. Why they have a big, like a, like young twee girl, like fan base. Yeah. And in the, the guitar is also, in a, and I was reading something else where he was basically saying how, yeah, everything we do is drum. So basically what happens with the guitars is that there are less chords and melodies, but more like just noise. So it's very much like noise pedals, very much like shots of sound that kind of come at you rhythmically. So it kind of builds this weird, almost disco from hell where you've got this disco beat, you've got these guitars that are kind of trying to sound very aggressive, but not like guitars, almost like clanging of metals. And then you've got the singer kind of going all in very theatrical about sex and violence. And it kind of builds this vibe. And what's cool about it is the fact of way, A, even though you could kind of easily identify all the reference points, it's also relatively cool the way they kind of mix it together. Like I remember I was playing it and they were like, oh, like I was playing it for a teacher friend of mine and she was like, oh, this, I fuck with this because it's a point where it just becomes almost straight disco even between the chaos. Like they always bring it back to that basic beat and it's kind of cool kind of hearing that. And it's also, again, kind of nice to see that sound kind of live on. It feels like to a certain extent, you know, the AAS came back with a really good album, you know, Interpol, so Interpoling. But it was kind of weird to kind of have this very influential scene kind of come and go relatively quickly. And nobody not necessarily build off that sound. It felt like some people kind of, you know, some mainstream bands kind of took a little bit of it and then just moved on. So it's kind of cool to kind of hear kids kind of rediscover what was happening back then because I think it was very important. I think you kind of definitely had a free space of experimenting in what is effectively a dead genre of rock music. And it's cool to kind of hear young rockers kind of reference that as opposed to like, you know, Greta Van Fleet doing like fucking Led Zeppelin shit. There's a thousand and one garage rock bands. You know, everybody's doing this very, like, very specific interpretation of punk. And it's cool to kind of see these guys kind of reference, you know, the last generation of music that was happening. Same way you would have 
a lot of grunge acts in the 90s referencing what was happening in the 70s yeah. as far as hard rock and borrowing those licks now you've got a rock band in 2023 referencing what was popping in hard rock well not hard rock but rock music in general the last gap of rock music in general and art so I'm definitely here for it yeah uh, I would definitely check that out you know it, it, it's and I say this too like, like, like you know that kind of late 2000s you know t- early 2010s era it's up next in terms of like <laughs> it being vintage and everybody's going to copy that sound. Bruh, I'm, I'm waiting for the new Spank Rock you know, interpretation album. Like, like <laughs> I mean, you know, again, we get, we had like Coco and Claire Claire. Like that, that's, you know, I think that's only the cusp. Yeah. You know, the wave so, is coming, bruh. Uh, Get your urban outfit is ready. You know, I, it'll be great though because like they're going to do the documentary and like you and I, like we'll, <laughs> we'll be able to, 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 to get a seat at the table. Cause we were in that shit. I've I've, I've ruined twenty pairs of white tight chants. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it. My converse, my converse. I've seen things. <laughs> oh man, but I, I will definitely check that out. Um, for me, I, I'll talk about the uh, the Gorillas, uh, their new album, Cracker Island. Cracker means something different in the UK. Absolutely, because I, I thought it meant something completely different <laughs> when I read that album title. I you was know? like, "Has gorillas gone woke?" Oh man, <laughs> um, <laughs> that is our that is our, our our presentation at CPAC. <laughs> Fox News has had the cartoons on their screen. Like this is this is <laughs> this is critical race theory. <laughs> This is what our kids are listening to. <laughs> Cracker Islands. My son said, play Cracker Island on the radio and I cried. I cried in my evangelical Christian arms. Oh, man. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a new Gorillaz album. Um, and I, I, I will say this. It, I, I feel like the Gorillaz came out and it was like 2002, 2003, maybe. So almost like I think it's like 2004. So it's been around 20 years of Gorillaz. And I remember when they came out, it was so groundbreaking and new. I remember like Clint Eastwood like coming out and it being like so crazy. And like the fact that it was like, oh, it's a cartoon. It's not like actual people. All the, you kind of knew who the people were. Um, I just remember that being like kind of mind blowing 20 years ago. And, you know, I, I think, the you know, I've been a fan for a long time. I think, like, Plastic, was it Plastic Beach? I think it's, like, one of my favorite albums. Um, I think they tried to kind of do the same thing in 2023. They tried to do in twenty in 2003. And I think it just, it, do, it doesn't hit in terms of just, like, the impact. I think, you know, it's kind of like, you know, Damon Auburn or whatever, um, will just like you know make a beat and like call one of his famous friends and have them jump in and do something, and I think it it felt in the previous albums a lot more organic, and now kind of feels like a you know a funk wave bounces type of thing, <laughs> you know where it's just like it doesn't it doesn't feel like the collaborators in like the actual studio you know like like it doesn't you know because now everything's kind of technical i remember for like um i think it was like plastic beach that he like flew in like this like israeli or Turkish like no it's like a syrian orchestra to london to like you know do like three like little like loops on like a, a track right 
and now it's just kind of like you don't have to do that you can have somebody like record their mp3 email it to you or put it in google drive you know and like you like splice it together and that's kind of what this album feels like um you know like he has thundercat on here like on the title track cracker allen i can't tell if it's you know thundercat it doesn't seem like there's any traditional thundercat there um the one song they have with tame impala sounds like more of a tame impala song like the track they have with bad bunny sounds like a bad bunny song it just kind of didn't feel like traditional gorillas music it kind of feels like it's just kind of like hey i'm gonna call these people they might have something i might have something let's like me in the middle like the song with beck kind of felt like a beck song so it just didn't feel like groundbreaking in any regard and also too i think one of the things about gorillas is just that there's a really interesting kind of like you know cartoon live element and i'm surprised they didn't do anything with like holograms nfts like you know ai like like i feel like this could have been a really cool like space for them to play around with to accompany this album and just kind of felt like you know it's just an album you know and i i think it just felt a little bit lacking to me um as a gorillas fan you know their live shows like incredibly impressive i've seen them live twice like but you know this album just kind of felt like bleh you know um it just definitely felt a little bit disconjointed didn't feel organic didn't feel like you know exciting yeah no it's it's i only heard a little bit about this album i, I did like the fact of where they did kind of shout out de la soul or put him on one of the, i think on the deluxe version i knew something was weird when going back to the idea of cracker island and the name title armbrow i laughed at it when i first saw it but i remember when gorillas would have a rollout they would be like you know there'd be stickers out there yeah. to hype it up. There would be X, Y, Z. It was very much like new album, Cracker Island, and I mean, and we'll see you in like a month or two. And that was basically it. And so, again, for a band, and going back to your point where who would usually do a lot of interesting things as far as, you know, we have, it's a virtual band. You know, there's a lot of weird things happening. Oh, this character's here. This char- I remember they would kind of give updates to what the characters are doing in between the records and all this other stuff. It was very imaginative. And I think what kind of, at least here, it felt like it's just an album obligation. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. like, all right, we got to, you know, I own, I own one more record. Let's go just drop it. And because like I said, it's, there were somebody who, and I'm not saying they were like crazy geniuses with it per se, but they definitely played with the idea of having a virtual band. You know, they were definitely playing with the idea of where, you know, and in between that, you have critiques about press. You have critiques about celebrity. Yeah. You've got all these deeper things happening there. And it felt like in the past, they were much smarter with it. I remember there wasn't that one album where he made it all on the iPad when those were relatively new. Like there was a, a level of experimentation there, yeah. even though it may not always come out in the music. They're always trying to, they're always going for the home run. Yeah. It may be a swing and a miss, but they're always going for it. And this is just a bunt. And it's again, there's nothing really wrong with it per se, no. but it is disappointing for a band that's kind of known for being forward looking in pop music to kind of just doing a, okay, we just got to, we own one more record. Let's just do it and then drop some merch and that's it. We'll tour in the fall. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a perfectly serviceable album. I think, you know, if you didn't know who the gorillas were, you probably will listen to this album and you'd be like, oh, this is really good. But I think connected to the legacy, it definitely falls flat. So, um, yeah, yeah no. and, like, and, like, yeah. and 
like I said, hopefully they'll go back. And like I said, I always like the idea of a concept. I like the execution. Like it's, they've always been, and I think it's, again, they were never really reinventing the wheel sonically, but they were definitely, you know, Damon Arbonne and his, and, and James Hewitt, James Hewitt? Jamie, his name Jamie Hewitt. Jamie. Yeah. Yeah. But they were always, they, it, it, the way that he constructed the idea of making pop music, of a pop band, of promotion of X, XYZ was always with that band. It was always an important part of the band. Because outside of that, what is it but music and uh, a drawn cover? So it's, I think that by them losing that, they kind of lost a lot of the soul of the band, per se. And I think that even though, again, you've got, you know, Team Impala, you've got, like I said, the Dela Soul shout out, you've got Bad Bunny, you've got all these like current pop gods on the record. Without having that guerrilla ness, the reason why you started the project in the first place kind of makes it a who cares. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yep, and uh, that's about it for Reg and Stone. We're about to head off, you know, back. You know, I hear they've got some pigs in the blankets right now being served in the CPAC conference room. <laughs> that's my favorite, you know. It- Apparently, Trump has ordered, you know, just rounds of McDonald's. You know, they're coming. But some, I was about to say, he didn't pay for it, though. <laughs> he probably didn't. Oh, man. There's devil's egg, deviled eggs of raisins. Bruh, you see, bruh, imagine how flavorless the food is. Imagine how terrible that buffet has to be. Bro. This probably tastes like fucking glue paste, man. Bro. Woof. <laughs> anyway as usual we love y'all for listening stay safe despite what they say in the streets stay fucking woke and we love y'all speak to you next time peace